It's time for episode 44 of the Clockwise Podcast from your pals at IDG, recorded July 10th, 2014. Clockwise, four guests, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast delivered right to your door. No waiting. I'm your co-host, Dan Morin, and I'm joined across the country, as always, by my co-host, Jason Snell. Hi, Dan. How's it going? It's going pretty well. How's it going with you? Pretty good. Well, to my left is Greenbot's Florence Ion. Hi, Flo. Yo, yo, yo. What up? <laughs> that is officially now the best end introduction anybody has ever had on this show. Flo wins the podcast already. Well, well, it's been nice. We're only, Less than 30 minutes we're today. Only a minute in. Wow. And I can't wait to hear how Macworld's own Chris Breen will top that. Hi, Chris. Hello, Jason. <laughs> All right. So subdued. I, I don't even try. I'm not going to. Just went the other way. Went I'm the just other not going to bother. I think that's probably fine. Uh, just to remind you how Clockwise works, each of us has brought a tech topic that we think is worth discussing today, and we'll limit our discussion of each topic to just about five minutes. And then you'll be out of here. Quick. Done. Easy peasy. Um, and since I got to introduce us today, I'll go first. Um, and I'm, I'm afraid that I'm going to start on a little bit of a down note. Um, most of you are probably aware by now of the Supreme Court decision regarding Aereo, which was a web-based service that let you watch live over-the-air broadcasts on your computer or your iPad or your iPhone um, basically just anything that you can get with a normal antenna. Um, and so the Supreme Court officially ruled that they were violating uh, various copyright acts by not having licensed versions of these, and, you know, which consider they uh, considered a public transmission or a public showing. Um, I was a Aereo subscriber because I lived in a place where it was actually available, and I quite liked it. Um, I, I do, it doesn't, you know, it's obviously a limited service. It gives you pretty much anything you could get with a, uh, you know, $20 antenna that you hook up to your TV, but it worked very well and it had the ability to store programs in the cloud so you could sort of DVR stuff essentially. And I, I don't have my own DVR in my house. Um, but I think that the, uh, there's, there's a lot of open questions now that the Supreme Court has made a ruling on this in terms of how this affects, you know, technology more broadly. And some have argued that this decision is intended to be very narrow and only sort of deal with Aereo and not really say anything about cloud storage services and the like. But even I think in the realm of TV and video, is this, do you guys feel like this is just a win for the status quo? And now, you know, the companies, you know, the broadcasters are just going to keep eking out what they've been doing? Or do you think they'll be forced to change because people have clearly, you know, seen that the, you know, customers want this kind of thing? Or will other third parties spring up that try to make another end run around the law? I'm curious to know what your thoughts are. Flo, how about you? So I've never actually used this service, so I'm I'm not sure that I can have a real concrete opinion about it. But I do know that I miss having live TV, even if it's just basic cable. I'm one of the few people who really like and support like uh, local news stations and and things like that. But I don't really need it because I have Hulu and I have a PBS app. So I'm kind of wondering if this is just the direction that we're all going in now. It's just, hey, I can just pay $7 and still get all the stuff that I want. I mean, I wonder if it just brings up another point of, is this kind of, is this the end of local television? Because there's no way to really watch it without that sort of service offering it. So, I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, it's actually funny. The the networks threatened that it was the end of local television if Aereo continued mm-hmm. because they've they've come to you know they own the channels now. They uh, you know a lot of them, one of them owns the cable company, um, and so they they threatened to sort of take their ball and go home and put that stuff on not mm. broadcast and only put it on cable if the Aereo thing worked out, which was, I think, an empty thread. But it does speak to what a weird place we are for TV right now. And yeah, I I think, Dan, I think you're totally right that this is, um, well, I don't want to speak for you, but your question seemed a little loaded. This is bad <laughs> and in the way of progress. And although Aereo might have been a little bit squirrely as a company, I think I think it was trying to use the public airwaves as they were intended. And lest we forget that broadcast uh, spectrum is owned by the public and um, auctioned off to uh, broadcasters. And therefore, they're supposed to serve a public interest because they are using the the, the public airwaves. And uh, I think Aereo was in that spirit. And I think Aereo's service was so limited that it uh, really should have been viewed by the, the TV companies as the equivalent of a new cable company and negotiated with. But they, Aereo didn't want to do that, and the, and the TV companies didn't want to do that either. So um, it's too bad. I, I think that, that this is an example of interesting technology that could have disrupted a market, but the existing players have so much money that it was just not going to happen. And uh, you know, meanwhile, piracy rages on. So it seems sort of silly that this is this is where we are, but I don't think it I don't think it solves any of the network's problems. I, I think the Ariel would have been a better partner for a younger generation of TV viewers, and then instead they just stomped it to death. And I think that this is one of those situations where the TV industry is going to look at this and say, "Wow, that's a good idea. Let's make money on that." Um, I think people do want to be able to watch live TV on their mobile devices. And when they're away from home, the TV industry so far has stood in the way. I think they, if they look at the history of how we get our media, they understand they're on the losing end of this and they haven't got along before they've got to either accept it and make money on it, or they eventually just lose altogether as we saw with music and iTunes. So um, if I were the TV companies, I would be over at the Aereo offices as they're cleaning out, um, passing out my card and saying, uh, say, you want to come work for us and then try to leverage that technology. Diabolical plan, Chris. I love it. (laughs) Interestingly enough, uh, I know as a matter of fact that stuff like that is happening. I I actually have a friend here who used to work at Aereo and he uh, was talking to me the other day about uh, he'd been in touch with some guy who runs like a uh, like a cable shop or something who was like, who's worth taking from Aereo? <laughs> and of course, Aereo, on the other hand, uh, I believe just today sort of was like, well, the court says we are basically a cable company. So we're a cable company now. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they are trying what Jason suggested. And, and, you know, maybe they can negotiate their way. But it seems like maybe that relationship is already soured. <laughs> um, but I think that you guys are right that there's a there's a potential here. You know, there's a customer demand for this, clearly. And it was pretty limited. And a lot of the cable companies are already offered this kind of functionality if you're a subscriber, right? Like if you subscribe to Verizon or Comcast, you they have apps and you can often watch live TV, TV with those, at least in your own home. Um, the broadcast thing, to Jason's point, is, you know, that it's freely available and over the air, which was kind of the reason I always thought that this, you know, even though it might have seemed a little dodgy, it seemed like in the spirit of the law of like, well, I'm, instead of buying a $20 antenna and hooking up, I just rent an antenna from these guys. But, you know... 
legal loopholes and all that. So I'm disappointed that it's no longer around. I hope that he will either find a way to make a comeback or that someone else will pick up where they left off, either another company or one of the cable companies. But I will pour one out for Aereo. All right, Flo, what's your topic today? All right, I've got a bone to pick with all you tech companies out there. So... If you've been paying attention to the world of Android, which I'm always immersed in, um, you know that Android Wear is sort of the next up-and-coming thing in the Google world right now. So you've got all these smartwatches coming out. Um, We've got the LG G Watch and the Moto 360, which is coming out later this summer, Uh, the Samsung Gear Live, and, you know, a variety of other non-Android smartwatches like uh, the Pebble, which I believe um, Jason is wearing right now. Right now. Um... Uh, and I know Qualcomm has one, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, so I happened to get one of these G-Watches, and I was super excited when I got it. I was like, woo, 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 yay, it's a smartwatch. I get to finally test it out because I didn't. I wasn't really interested in the other smartwatches because they weren't Android-specific. They were, you know, kind of forks, so to speak. Um, but I put the thing on, and it's just way too big, like... It was just comedically big for too big for my wrist, and it was uncomfortable. And granted, I don't really wear watches as it is, but uh, it just it didn't feel it didn't feel right. And then it just sort of dawned on me that a lot of these smartwatches that are coming out, they just don't really cater to to the ladies. Um, and it's not that I'm asking for, you know, a pink smartwatch or something, you know, of that variety. I, that's not what I want. I'm just looking for a smaller screen, you know, a small, a thinner band, something that would fit my wrist because I want to be a part of this trend. But as it stands, smartwatches and phones for that matter, especially in the Android world, just aren't being made for for ladies. I mean, a lot of us are smaller than men. We have smaller hands, smaller fingers, small wrists. So why aren't we being considered for this? It's just, I just feel like this is something that permeates throughout the entire tech industry. Um, it's frustrating for me. Do you remember when the first Galaxy Note came out that they had that TV ad with Shaq or was it Shaq? It was, it was, a, it was a giant uh, basketball player using, maybe it was LeBron James. Um, and uh, it was funny because it was like in his hands, it looks like a regular phone, but he has <laughs> hands three times the size of a normal person's hands. And I feel like that's sort of where we are with um, with these smartwatches, which is like they can't get them any smaller. And if they make them a little look like smaller, the f- photograph is from the top. And, and then when you get a little angle on it, you realize, oh, my God, it's three inches thick. It's it's a pizza on or what, not a pizza, a sandwich on their wrist. We went from pizza to sandwich, but it's still. It's huge. And they are there. I mean, I, I've talked to many. I, the Pebble is just small enough to fit on my wrist and it's large, but it's it, it fits fine. But I've talked to a lot of uh, a lot of men who have tried the Pebble who say it's just too big for their their, their wrist, too. So let alone uh, let alone women who tend to have smaller wrists than that. It's yeah. So part of it, I think, is technical, which is they're. Um, desperate to try and get it as small as they can, but they just can't. We're so early on, um, and True. part of it, I think, is that they uh, that a lot of the people designing these things are not thinking about. No. Uh, first off, they're geeky people, and they're probably not thinking about watches and fashion and design and things like that. They're thinking about the tech behind it, which I understand, but it shows. And then, second, they're probably not thinking about appealing to women. They're probably thinking about appealing to 
uh, geeky men with and basketball players. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I'm with you there. I, I think it's um, th- it's questionable about whether um, anybody is uh, has big enough arms for this watch. And, and yeah, yeah, they're they're impractical. Well, I, I just want to—I just want to add that uh, Google Glass surprise, like somehow became this fashion accessory because somebody brought it to Fashion Week or whatever right. in New York a couple of years ago. So now Diane von Furstenberg is like, "Ooh, let me make pretty glasses." So why can't she make cool watch bands mm. or something? I don't know. Like, come on, I want to be a part of this too. It's not fair. Yep, it's not fair. Yeah, and then there's—I mean, you're right. The, the technical limitations are what generate these huge watches you need a big battery and then you need a display that's big enough that you can use with your finger instead of like a little stylus um i think this presents a great opportunity for apple because i think past moves the fact that they're getting somebody in from tag hoyer to to market the thing indicates to me that apple understands that fashion is perhaps more important for these kinds of devices because whether it's a woman or a man these things are too big they're too ugly google glass too is too ugly for normal people to wear um, and so, yes, you can cater to the geek community and sell, I don't know how many units to begin with, but that's a small pool compared to normal people. So I am, uh, much like other companies designed MP3 players before the iPod came out and they were ugly and stupid and not very functional. And Apple came in and said, Hey, here's this. And go, Oh, that's what we've been waiting for. I look forward to the iWatch because I think Apple gets that it's got to be attractive enough that everybody will want to wear one of these things instead of just the kind of people who wear Google Glass. Yeah, I think Chris hit the nail on the head here. It's all about opportunity. I mean, Apple has the benefit, since it's not a company that rushes to market on these products, it has the benefit of sort of sitting and waiting and watching and seeing what everybody else does wrong. Um, And they've certainly got a lot of fodder for that right now. I think the interesting thing, you know, about something like a smartwatch is as opposed to something like an MP3 player or an iPhone, those things oftentimes sort of get, you know, shoved away in your pocket or a purse or what have you. So, you know, a lot of companies get away with not making them look great because they're not something that are necessarily on display all the time. A watch for a lot of people is an excess, is a choice, something that you wear for an aesthetic reason. Um, you know, it certainly has a functional you know purpose as well, but it's a piece of technology that's been around so long that it's acquired a certain amount of fashion status. Um, and that's true with phones to a certain extent, but I think it's very different than something that's always going to be seen, right? Like, so, you know, I've worn my Pebble around as well, and it's very functional. I would never claim that it's a great looking device because it's not. If you, you know, it looks, it's basically one step up from like a, like a breadboard test, test product. Yeah. Um, so... It's- it's it's slightly less stylish than a Casio calculator watch. Slightly, yes. Um, so yeah, I, I think that it's it's absolutely true that both for for women and men, I think this is uh, there's an interesting question here as to can you design something that is both fashionable and serves a a great purpose. Um, there was a really cool, I was trying to remember who linked to it. Someone linked to like a really really nice looking Swiss watch made by someone that had like very very subtle. Um, smart features where it had like a like a second hand that would point to little things around the uh, the mm-hmm. circumference and like indicate like you just got a call or an email or something and i was like see that's that's a watch company trying to do technology which may not be any better than a technology company trying to do a watch but it's definitely a different way of looking at it so i think the as always apple's experience melding sort of technology and the liberal arts as it likes to say may <laughs> may provide some an interesting uh mix of those two all right i guess it's my turn um 
as we record this today, Apple uh, announced that iTunes Extras, which is this concept that's existed for like more than five years now, maybe six years now, where uh, you buy a movie on iTunes and it comes with the stuff that you're used to getting on a DVD or a Blu-ray, like extra features, uh, director commentaries, uh, bonus uh, behind-the-scenes videos and things like that. It was available on the Mac and on that first-generation Apple TV that was made obsolete four years ago, um, but has never played back on an iPad or an Apple TV, second or and beyond generation Apple TV in the meantime. Always seemed weird. Today they announced that that they have a new version of iTunes Extras that works with uh, iPads coming this fall and iOS 8 and works with Apple TVs today. I tried it out this morning. It works great. It's like you stick a, uh, stuck a Blu-ray in there. It's suddenly a menu comes up instead of the movie playing and you've got options and that's pretty cool. Um, so my question to all of you is – do we want – when going from disks to downloads, we lost all the bonus features. Do we care? Do we care about bonus features? Do we miss them? Do we do we want them to be back? Because I, 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 I'm of two minds about this. I kind of didn't miss them, and, and yet I'm kind of excited about the idea of having that bigger experience where I've got a menu and a bunch of extras and I can choose things and I'm not just buying a movie with, with no frills. But I, you know, I'm curious what you guys think as – uh, digitally connected people who presumably like entertainment too. Chris, what do you think? I think that I want them more than I actually do. Um, <laughs> good, that's good. Because I often buy Blu-rays simply because of the extras. Like I just bought uh, Blade Runner, the the 30th anniversary edition, and it's expensive. <laughs> it's, ten, it's like the 10th different version. Yeah, which, which, which edition? <laughs> yeah, well, it actually has five editions on it. Ah. And I just bought A Hard Day's Night, the 30th, 5th, 80th, whatever, anniversary yeah. of that, because it has a bunch of stuff. anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I keep buying this stuff thinking, man, I'm, this is so good. I'm getting all these extras. And then when it really comes down to it, I watch the movie, and then I go, uh, I don't want to sit through it again to listen to the commentary. Um, so I think there's certain films like Spinal Tap, for example, is absolutely oh, yes. worth getting the extra features because there's a whole additional movie in there about an hour's worth of stuff that was cut that's really great. Whereas, do I really need to watch all five versions of Blade Runner? I'm not sure I do. <laughs> yes, Chris, um, yes, How much do. sleep do you need? Yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> so, again, the idea of having it sounds great, but I think it really depends on the film. If the film has an amazing commentary track, yes, then I want it. If it's just them throwing stuff at me like, oh, look, here's some behind-the-scenes behind the photos. I could see that on the internet. Um, right. So, yeah, give me great content, absolutely. Otherwise, eh. Yeah, I um I don't even buy movies anymore really. I rent them cuz I don't generally, you know, rewatch them that much. I I already own, you know, I probably own 50, 60 movies, right? And it's like those are the movies that I know that I will watch again and again and again. And it's been a while since I've added to that collection. Um I just tend to find it's much faster and cheaper if I just rent it like the once every year that I want to watch it. Um so I, the iTunes extras things doesn't do much for me. I, I really want them to start just releasing all those on YouTube. And they do for some stuff. Like, you know, there are definitely things where they put up like blooper reels or whatever on YouTube. And then it's like, oh, I'm browsing around the web today. Oh, I'll just watch this five minute blooper reel video instead yeah. of... Use it for marketing. Yeah, exactly. I don't I don't need to own that because how many times, even if I watch that movie multiple times, how many times am I going to watch the commentary? How many times am I going to watch the like making of featurette? Those aren't things I'm going to rewatch. So I certainly own any number of DVDs. I don't even own a blu-ray player much less a blu-ray um and i i have these things with all this commentary on it and i could i could have been watching them for all these years and i never do <laughs> so i guess the short answer for me is i guess that's really it's a nice addition for people who want it it doesn't really do anything for me and i'm i'm a movie fan but yeah 
So I'm with Dan here. The Actually, the only uh, DVDs I own are seasons one through five of Beverly Hills 90210, the original. I knew we were going to say that. And I ripped all of those five seasons and put them on a USB flash drive that I sometimes watch on the way home on BART on my f- uh, phone. I'm a little obsessed. Uh, anyway, but, you know, after leaving the Apple ecosystem uh, some time ago, a while ago, uh I kind of miss some of those extras that that come with movies and and things of the like. Um, I like Dan. I love to rent movies on Amazon Video. That's kind of uh, my favorite weekend thing. What new movie is out? I what can I spend four dollars on watching this weekend? Uh, and I kind of wish they came with like some bonus things that you can unlock for forty eight hours or whatever. That way, I can watch it once and get to see it and get to experience it. Um, but you know, it's not a necessity, and that's why I stopped buying DVDs because I didn't really see the point of owning the movie and having all that extra stuff that I was only going to watch once in a while. And and by the way, the only good, like, the only things that I really like watching as far as, you know, director's commentary are, like, Pixar movies because you get to really see, right. you know, the animations and, like, all the thought that went into it. I love those Disney documentaries. Like, I wish that... I I think I would probably own that stuff on DVD if I still bought DVDs. And I am I'm I'm with all you guys, I'm especially with Chris. There are movies that you want to see this stuff and dive in and there's movies that you don't. And what I what I learned when I had Netflix on disc was that I'd get the disc and it would be full of all these extras and I'd be, I'd rent the movie and I'd watch it and I'd, and I'd look at the extras and I'd be like uh-uh. I'm I, even if I like the movie, it's like I'm exhausted. I just watched the whole yeah. movie. I don't want to watch I don't want to listen to the commentary. I I I the movies that I love Movies that I'm really intrigued by, I uh, or that have a really interesting commentary, I will want to watch the commentary track. The extras can be interesting, but you only really ever watch them once. Um, so, so yeah, I I like that this is there. I actually kind of think if it's only for movies that you buy on iTunes, let's say, I think that would be fine because I think the kind of movies that I want to obsess over like that are the ones I'm going to want to buy. And otherwise, maybe I just I just don't care. Um, and Chris is totally right that this is Spinal Tap Extras are the best. Um, but I, I'm somebody who owns that movie in I think four different formats now, uh, two different DVDs, a Blu-ray. Uh, I have a CD-ROM version. I... I got Spinal Tap covered. Christopher but, Guest is but there the is best. so that's much, and there is literally like another hour there. So that's definitely uh, check that one out if you're going to buy anything. Uh, buy that one. All right, that's my topic, uh, Chris. It's your turn. Okay, and speaking of movies, uh, this last couple of weeks because my daughter's on summer vacation, I've been trying to pump old movies into her uh, because movies that I love and say, "Oh, this is so great." And so uh, we've done the black and white ones, and now we're moving into color and things from like the 80s and 90s. And she looks at the hairstyles, and she goes, God, this is so embarrassing. How did you people wear your hair that way back in the day? <laughs> um, and, but, and then she said, yeah, but you know, it's not going to be that way when 20 years from now. I said, it is totally going to be that way 20 years from now. You're going to look at movies made today and go, oh, I can't believe that whatever, you know, whatever fashion or hairstyle people are using. She goes, no, we look normal today. I said, listen, that's how we all felt at the time. So my question to the group is, 20 years from now, what is going to be today's tech mullet? What is the technology that we're going to be embarrassed about 20 years from now? Besides the Yo app? Because <laughs> that one may not take 20 years. No, I... um. I think the things that first come up are are obviously I think wearables 
Like Google Glass is pretty stupid looking today, oh, but man. I got to think in twenty years we're all going to be like, oh God, remember when people used to stick things on their face? Um, <laughs> and I, I wonder if there's also just more of a trend aspect to, I, you know, Facebook comes to mind. I I think. I wonder if there's like, you know, there will be a backlash at some point to some of like the privacy and information things where we're all 20 years from now going like, man, I cannot believe I put all of that stuff online and like all my personal information and, you know, let them do whatever they want and like had my photos in there and everything. Like, I, I wonder if trust becomes an issue at a certain point and we'll look back and uh, when we're in a growing up in a society or when, when people in the next generations are growing up with all this stuff and think, how could you have been so dumb as to like put all that stuff in there? Everybody knows that's a bad idea. Um, but maybe that's wishful thinking on my part. So I don't know, but it could be something as, as silly as a, as a, as a smartphone, right? Like, oh, you had to take that thing out of your pocket. You didn't just have it implanted in your eye. Like, <laughs> wow, how gauche is that? So I don't know. It's hard to say what the future will bring. Flo? Uh, it's my turn. So, um, I really hope I don't offend anybody by saying this, but those Bluetooth earpieces are so are like people still wear them and I'm just like please stop it so I can't wait until that happens are people <laughs> still really doing that? that yes it's just so embarrassing I can't believe it people are still doing that wow. I was gonna say wearables too I, I I um my as much as I wear my pebble every single day, I I view it like I view my old like palm trio or something like that, no, where it's don't like say that about where the trio. it's like you know this is gonna be this is like the first in a line of things that are gonna be really cool, but it's not gonna be the one that we think of as cool. The We're, trio's still cool. Oh no, it's big and bulbous and weird, but uh, it was cool at the time. So I, I I would say that I'm gonna throw another one out there, which is. Um, low resolution displays i think all of these monitors that we've got on our desks that are at 72 dpi um that's going to be one of those things that we look back and we're like seriously you didn't have 4k holographic super massive amazing displays man i can't believe we used to look at those screens okay so um Dan and I had a brain meld over this because, and again, I think it's wishful thinking too, because I think you all know how I feel about social networking. Um, I do think that there's going to come a day when Facebook finally goes too far and there's going to be some kind of backlash and, and things like yo, and where people are throwing millions of dollars at these idiotic social networking apps. Um, but I think that this is the beginning of our dystopian future, which is Facebook goes too far Finally, some studies come out that indicate that web advertising isn't really effective, that we've evolved past it so we don't see it anymore, and getting more obnoxious about it doesn't help, uh, which, because basically that's bottom feeding, uh, our economy collapses, and uh, we go back to living in caves. Because, uh, and the, But the companies that survive are the ones that actually make things, that make stuff versus ideas. Cave accessories. Cave accessories, exactly. Here's a new boulder for you instead of a way to tell people about the new boulder that you've got. Well, that's, uh, I think those are our four tech topics. I think we have a, a little time left maybe to uh, get in a quick bonus topic. Uh, I will say this morning I woke up and saw that the Emmy nominations were out. So I was just curious if you guys were watching anything that you felt like was either recognized well, you know, was recognized deservedly or something that missed the boat or just what you're watching and enjoying flow anything besides beverly hills now 210 on your docket um so laura dern won an emmy uh i believe she won it a couple of years ago for um enlightened and i recently watched enlightened which it was only two seasons on um 
Amazon Prime, and it was such a good show, and I'm so bummed that nobody watched it because it was such a good show, and I want to know what happens to Amy Jellicoe, and so that's just my plea to HBO to bring it back, please. So I think Brooklyn Nine-Nine is the funniest show on TV, and it didn't get a nomination in the Best Comedy category, so people should watch that. It's really great. And Andre Brower got nominated for Best Supporting Actor in a Comedy, and he should have because it's great. And I'll throw out Silicon Valley got nominated for Best Comedy, and it is horrendously sexist and I think gets a lot of things wrong about what Silicon Valley is actually like. There was much more ripe things to make fun of than it did. That said, it really made me laugh. So if you got HBO and you're listening to a tech podcast, you should give it a spin because although it's got problems, it is it is really funny. I have to give it that. It is really funny. Uh, I really tried to like Fargo. I watched the whole thing and I felt it was consciously quirky. And so finally it didn't do anything for me. Um and what I go back to every season is justified. I just think the characters mm. are so great. The writing is so clever. Oh, yeah. It's occasionally funny. Um, I love the actors in it. Uh, and it always has sort of the same story arc season after season, but I don't care. I just love seeing those characters interact. So I don't know if it got nominated for anything. I hope so. Or maybe it's been around too long and, and people don't care anymore. Yeah, I don't think it did, but it's one of my favorites as well. Um, really love that. And Jason stole my other one, which was Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which I was going to say I... I, someone, one of our writers mentioned it in a uh, roundup this morning that they were writing. And I was like, oh man, I want to go back and rewatch a couple of those episodes just because they're, you mentioned the episode with the Quasi Cupcakes app. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I got, that was so hilarious. I got to watch that again. So yeah, that show is pretty great. And I was really looking forward to its second season. I'm glad it got some nominations if it didn't get all of them. All right. Well, that is literally all the time we have today. Florence Ion, thank you for being here. Thank you. And Chris Breen. Thanks for being here as always. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's maybe it's a tie now. I don't know. I don't even know what's happening now. Jason, you watch what you say. What? Oh. Well, you, you keep watching the clock then. And everybody out there, you should do that too. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>